0: Justin
1: Madden's got the set. One hand. Oh, he oh, oh. oh, the post is broken. Matthew's
0: in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives.
1: Oh, it is. This is your Football Life, Matthew. And we're right around Australia again and we've got another star. And, gee, won't this bring back some marvellous memories... I'll give you a few clues, and then there's no doubt you'll actually see who I've got on today. Uh, it's great thrill for me to get this man on. 190 games for the Mighty Blues. 1995 Premiership player. Isn't that just something? 1992 All-Australian, a breakout year. I can remember that year. He was just dominating. And he's the only Lebanese-born player to have played AFL, VFL. And Bashar Huli is Lebanese, but born in Melbourne. Uh, he's 49 years of age. He is the cranium. He is Milham Hannah. And Mil, it's great to talk to you on. This is your footy life.
2: No worries, Rex. Thank you very much.
1: 49 years of age, the cranium is, and where's the time go? Tell us your first. Do you have any early thoughts before you left northern Lebanon? Did, did you, were you involved in any sport? You obviously wouldn't have known that Australian football existed. Tell us a little about the little Mill Hannah in northern Lebanon.
2: Look, I don't don't have many memories, actually. It's quite vague. I was uh, five when I arrived in Australia. So um, uh, other than sort of uh, memories of smells and stuff like that, I don't really, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I said I don't remember much at all.
1: Yeah, and and settling in Melbourne and finding your feet at Brunswick, uh, there's not many Aussies out there. They were all uh, continental people and formed this fantastic community. Let's now start to think of some of your early uh, days around the Brunswick area. Yeah,
2: look, as I said, uh, my dad sort of came to Australia a few years before the rest of the family came over and sort of settled himself and buy a house and then we followed up. And uh, look, the early days in East Brunswick were were reasonably comfortable for us because it was a community full of lots of Lebanese, Greek, Italians and particularly the school I went to, there were a lot of other Lebanese. So it was um, the sort of process, transition process was fairly easy. To uh, to make rather than you know going to an area where there wasn't many other people from your own sort of uh, country or nationality. W-
1: Mill Hanna is our special guest, folks. The cranium. I got an idea. Your, your, your mum didn't like the term the cranium that much, but goodness me, it went on like wildfire. They were wearing bathing caps and everything out of Princess Park from my memory.
2: Yes, look, my mum was critical <laughs> of a lot of things, and she actually she she was a quite a religious uh, nervous lady, so she uh, she actually. Watched me play one game of football, which was in funny enough, it was the actual '93 uh, Grand Final where I got knocked out. That was the only game. She, me. she watched, and my dad barred her from watching any more games after that. So, um, yeah, she was uh, one of those. So she got really worried and scared when I was playing. <laughs>
1: uh, Mill first memories of junior footy uh, north of Princess Oval, up in uh, in East Brunswick. Yeah, look,
2: uh, I was fortunate enough to live um, I think about it, 200 metres from a local footy oval because. You know, both my parents didn't drive a car, so I would have been in a bit of trouble if I had yeah. you not know, in a fair way away. So
1: but plenty of, public, just, plenty of public transport, uh, Mill.
2: Yeah, but sort of back in those days, the Lebanese were very protective and didn't really let me do much. Um, so I was fortunate I could just sort of walk 200 metres to a local oval and uh, a couple of friends who lived across the road introduced me to footy and, um, you know, started there. And East Brunswick was uh, quite a sort of strong uh, junior club and um, you know, fortunate enough to be associated with Carlton being a Carlton supporter. So, um, yeah, they are really good memories back in those days. Uh,
1: playing with kids and that sort of thing. D- did you come through the ranks with any kids who actually became household names, uh, you know what I mean? Because I've spoken to Cooter and spoken to uh, Ange Christo, that sort of thing. You know, similar blokes to yourself, arriving on the shores of this great country of ours and coming up through the ranks. And, and both of those said it was a lot of good junior footy, footy players who never went on with it. Was that the case with you, that you're surprised that you went on with it and, a, and some of the young champions in inverted brackets didn't go any further? Yeah, look, um,
2: as I said, I mean, I often tell this story that... Uh, whilst I was playing at East Brunswick, I certainly wouldn't have regarded myself as being, you know, clearly the sort of best or most talented player there. And, um, you know, between sort of the ages of 10 and 15, I I, uh, I would say there were five or six players that were sort of uh, more talented. And, um, yeah. Which I thought were better than me. But, um, you know, being a club full of sort of, you know, as I said, Lebanese and Greeks and Turks and all that, they sort of ended up wandering off in different directions. And um, I was fairly... Fairly committed to my football, and um, I lacked a fair bit of confidence in those days. Uh, having started to lose my hair when I was about eleven. Um, yeah, yeah. So well, just
1: touch on this because this was touchy with your mum, with me calling you the cranium, but you you had a condition alopecia, which uh, meant you only had a sparse amount of hair, and you thought, well, I'll go with the cranium, and it's been your trademark ever since.
2: Yeah. Look, as I said, I started losing when I was about eleven, um, and. It just sort of slowly sort of progressed, uh, you know, to the point when, you know, I think I was about 18 or 19 before a footy trip to London, I decided to get it all off. But, you know, it was, it was you know, fairly tough for a kid yeah. back in those days it, to, it, to lose your head.
1: It would affect your Mill. There's no doubt about it with the peer pressure because, you know, the, back then kids who wore glasses, I'm sure, were like, me, when I went to school, which is a lot earlier than you, they were four eyes, and we were very, very cruel to each other. And uh, it must have sapped your confidence, uh, uh, you know, when you're 11- or 12-year-old kid that they've got hair and you haven't.
2: Yeah, look, it's um, as I said, it was one of those things where it was probably a good thing because I was really able to focus on my football um, and not get distracted like some of my other friends um, chasing girls and stuff like that and going out. And I rarely actually ever went out, you know, until I was about probably started a come, mm. 18, 19, before I started going out. So I look back now and I think that, um, in all honesty, it was probably the best thing that could happen to me sporting-wise. Yeah. Fact, that, that did happen to me because I said I was pretty obsessed with footy and I, you know, focused all my energies into it. And, um, and I see some kids now who are sort of starting to go off the rails a little bit and, you know, I wish I could say, listen, just, just plenty of time for that kind of stuff. Just focus, concentrate, you know, and um, you know, and you can make something.
1: Well, it's pretty good advice, you know what I mean? That uh, All my good advice has been people who have probably passed on now. They've been there before you and made the mistakes. Uh, tell us about your transition from just a kid who just enjoyed running around the park having a kick to a kid that got confidence and said, I'm pretty good at this. I wouldn't mind seeing how far I could go. Take us back to those early years and the first approach that came from a league club.
2: Um, in those days, as you know, there was a zoning system and, you know, East Brunswick was zoned to Carlton. And as I said, I was starting to say a little bit of talent as a 13, 14-year-old and, um, there was a local, um, uh, Ted Stevens, who was the local talent scout for Carlton. He'd come out and watch us play. And I think that particular year, uh, I think was seven or eight of us got invited from East Brunswick. As I said, it's quite a powerful junior club and I was obviously one of them, um, and honestly, Rex, I thought at that stage, I was just, I would I would have been wrapped just to play one game for the under-19s. That, that's yeah. how my mind was, you know, functioning back then. I said, you know, I never ever had thoughts anything beyond that. And I just thought, you know what, if I can just get on the list, play wow. one game in the under-19s and see my name in the paper, I'd be fairly happy. And um, And that happened, and then I thought, you know what, maybe maybe there might be a chance I could play a game in the reserves. And, you know, and it sort of went on from
1: then. So the, the rest without is history. Even
2: realise, yeah, without me even realising it, I never really sort of set out to say, oh, look, I'm going to play 100 or 200 games for Carlton. It was just yeah. So I was a Carlton madman, and I just wanted to, you know, play one game in the
1: under-19. Millham, the cranium Hannah joins us for Tobin Brothers right around Australia. We're celebrating the footy life and uh, after footy with Mill. It's very nice of him to give us his time and just entertain us this morning right around the nation uh, the under seventeens is uh, almost men's uh, football and playing for the big V in eighty three. Uh, you were selected in the under eighteen all Australian side. It must have been then that you thought, gee, uh, things are going okay. Yeah, as
2: I said, it was um it was we were playing in Darwin, um, and um we ended up winning, I think we had some, some good players and Tony Lockett was in that it was playing seniors at the time, Tony Lockett. Yeah. He actually came down and played a couple of games and it was a big thrill to sort of play in the same team as him and uh, I had a reasonable carnival that year and got selected in the All-Australian. And um, and then sort of the following year, I think I ended up playing a uh, couple of... I might have been played a night game for Carlton in those early days. And, yeah. And as I said, that sort of momentum was still sort of going on then. And... Um, Yeah, and it just sort of
1: continued on. A bit of a setback. And look, most successful people have setbacks. It's not how you sort of celebrate victory. You know as well as I do, Milham. Uh, It's how you come back after adversity. Uh, You hit the big league. You're at Princess Park. Some of the household names that are still famous right around the nation. A successful side, a ruthless side at Princess Park. You make your debut. You promptly do your ACL and miss uh, the remainder of the season. It took you over a year to get back. It must have been a test on you as a young man then, because how disappointing, Millam.
2: Yeah, look, you know, I just went through, uh, the, you know, that journey up and until that day and thinking, my God, I finally got here and you know I'm going to play my first senior game for Carlton and, and I can't believe, you know, all my dreams had come true at that yeah. stage and then run out in that oval and literally it was the first play of the game, first minute, took a mark, went down awkwardly on the knee and. And uh, was out for you know 15, 16 months, and I honestly was lying in the hospital at that time, yeah, having an operation, and I thought, I can't believe my career is over, it's all over, and I honestly thought it was over, I thought, yeah, yeah I'm never going to get back from this, so, um, yeah, and it was like a bad nightmare that, that sort of came along, and obviously those days, you know, reconstructions were 14, 16 months, so. It's,
1: now they're back within uh, a month. It's, uh, yeah, that's right. Me, you but know. you know,
2: fortunate enough, I got back and it didn't really affect me beyond that, so, um. You know, I was very lucky.
1: I uh, really gave you a go. We're going to take a break. Uh, before I take a break, just let me just clear up a couple of things. When you first uh, walked into Princess Park, uh, tell our listeners around the nation just how intimidating it is, is and, and some of the household names that you were introduced to, please.
2: Look, I remember probably three years before that, we had um, senior players that used to come to East Brunswick and do little clinics. And I remember one... one um, Session, Jeff Southby, Wayne Harms turned up. And, and these would go, like, particularly Harms, he was my idol. Um, and I used to go and watch them play and stand behind that, that, um, those goals in the Heatley stand uh, week in, week out, and two, three years later to actually be um, playing with these guys. And, and actually even funnier, to be going on sort of footy trips with them, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, one
2: one day they're, you know, you're 15-year-old, and then three years later you're in, you're, you're in Hawaii drinking with them. So it was quite surreal. And, um, and the sort
1: of thing about it is that uh, I say to young kids when I get a chance to say now that famous people or gifted people are only ordinary people who practice a lot. Uh, we're going to take a break and Milam Hanner is going to join us on the other side. We're going to talk about recovering after the ACL and then his career taking off at the famous Princess Park. And it's great to have him on board the Cranium because there's plenty more to come after the break on this special edition of This Is Your Football Life during AFL Multicultural Round and check us out on Twitter at RexFootballLife. Life. For Tobin Brothers, he's Mill Hannah. I'm Rex Hunt. And this is Mill's Football Life.
0: Yabla! You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers funerals. Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to this is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers funerals celebrating lives. and Milem Hannah what a champion of the
1: game he is not only of Carlton but a champion of the game and he will take his place like lethal Lee Matthews and jerker Jenkin and and uh, you know Yablet and all these has great nicknames that they will take to their grave. And the cranium is one man who was worth going the entrance fee to see out there at Princess Park. Uh, Mill, I read somewhere, it was somewhere where you were quoted that you said, in hindsight, the ACL reconstruction might have been a blessing in disguise. Can you take us through your thinking, uh, you know, when you're out for so long that this, this was going to, i got another chance, I'm going to take the most of it?
2: Yeah, look, um, what it did do, it made me um, really focus. I was quite a skinny kid, um, and I spent quite a bit of time in the gym at that time. And looking back, I thought, you know, over my career and the sort of positions I played, I think that extra strength, um, upper body, really helped me. I mean, back in some of those early days when I was playing the back line, I mean, I was playing positions like centre-half back and full back and places like that. So that sort of certainly helped me. And... Um, yeah, as I said, that was just uh, those, you know, forks in the road where you look back and thinking, you know, would I have been the same player or different or better or worse? And But, you know, I think I was, um, well, it came better, obviously, because of the fact that I spent so much time in the gym and really yeah. strengthened up in those days.
1: Yeah, you you really, uh, you went from a boy to a man, didn't you? Particularly physically. And, uh, and with that came self-belief and confidence.
2: Yeah, and that's what it was. When you start sort of playing and you'd be able to, you know, play against guys who are six foot two and six foot three and, you know, match at one-on-one, um, you start believing, you know, well, maybe I can play on those guys. Um, and that was certainly wasn't possible, you know, probably 18 months before that. Yeah. So it did give me a lot of confidence and I did start playing in those sort of positions that I wasn't able to before that.
1: Uh, you made headlines for wearing a bandana to protect your head, your cranium, uh, from the sun. Uh, we've seen uh, why it's such a good idea with Jared Ruffhead, who wears a hat and sunscreen all the time, and he's just had a melanoma taken off the front of his face. Uh, it, it, it must have been a problem for you, but goodness me, the Cancer Council thought it was pretty good because we became sun smart uh, with that message that you were giving us all.
2: Um... Yeah, I was playing. It was someone asked me, it might have been Tony DeBolfo asked me a while back, he said, did you actually play a, a real game with your bandana? And I said, I don't think I played in a real... I said, I'm sure I played in a night game. Yep, a
1: yeah, pre-season, um, pre-season, pre-season game it was, no, yep, yeah, out at Waverley. Yep, yep.
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, I some of those early games, you know, it was 30, 32 degrees, and I certainly uh, wanted to protect the head, and, um, and it, you know, obviously it gets, it gets quite hot. And, um, and I, you know, I started enjoying wearing it. Um, so it was, you know, it became, you know, when you in those days, you, you sort
1: of make your mark in different ways. <laughs> you do. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Mill Hanna, uh, 1992, a breakout year for you, second in the BNF uh, at Prince's Park amongst some of the household names. But an all-Australian selector said this man has done enough and the rest of the committee said, yep, he is on the back line that included Paul Roos, Barry Stoneham, Gavin Wangadeen, Benny Hart and Ken Hinckley, uh, not a bad a lot of blokes hanging around you on the half-back line cranium.
2: Yeah, it was a breakout year. And, um, uh, yeah, it was just one of those years where I think um, every game the coach would just put me on, you know, you know, if it was, you know, it was sort of Winmar one week or Gavin Brown or something like that. And it was a real challenge. And I think I certainly played my best football. Looking back now in the back line, it just helped me focus. I thought times when I used to play in the forward line and wing, maybe there were times I was sort of a bit lazy, didn't really work hard enough. But, you know, when I was in the back line, you didn't really have an opportunity to be lazy because these guys just sort of took you to the ball and you just just became one and one So I I really enjoyed the year playing half-back and and certainly playing all those sort of... um,
1: Great players. Uh, you continued on, Mill. Uh, Mill uh, Mil Hannah joining us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for Tobin Brothers celebrating the footy life and uh, living memories. That's what they are. They're fantastic. Uh, the next year, you still had a very, very good year. Uh, the grand final uh, got done by Essendon, but you didn't know much about it because I remember I was calling with Shane Healy, Ron Barassi, and Sam Newman and Graham Bond, and uh, the boys said, "I've never shown such concern for one of my people who I broadcast being brought off the field." Despite the fact that you're in fairyland and got knocked out, what are your memories of that day, Millam?
2: Very little memories I have actually. I, look, I don't even remember. I just remember running, um, receiving a handball, and sort of turning, turning very quickly and instantaneously. I just got just got whacked, um, and it was you know I just don't remember much, and it was fairly fairly uh, light-headed. Um, you know, obviously being a grand final, you you um, Want to go off, and I sort of recovered and went back on. And I think there was an occasion when I went back on. I started, I got the ball, and I started bouncing. And for a split second, I think I started going the wrong way. Um, uh, so it was one of those very forgettable um, games. Yeah. <laughs> and, Obviously the result didn't go our way, and uh, it was all you know pretty ordinary all, all,
1: all the way around. But 95, you'll take to your grave because you went to, went onto the arena with 19 other blokes who are now your friends through the bond of football life uh, uh, for life. Um, after the disappointment, you know, of earlier on the 93, you went out in straight sets 94, but 95 was your year. Do you like a lot of my guests over the two years I've been doing this program, Milum? reckon that once you get something that hasn't that has just avoided your hands for the previous two years it means even more than it does that premiership because it does for a lot of people
2: Oh absolutely um you know the fact that you know the previous two years 93 we you know we were well fancied to win and and I look back now and a lot of my teammates would would agree with me that 94 was probably I think as good a year if not better than 95 and mm. you know we we, I think it was the second last or the last home and away game in '94. We beat the West Coast Eagles by 100 points, Some, something around that figure, 90 or 100 points. And you know, four weeks later they won the premiership, and yeah. we were playing great footy. And we just had those two games where, just, I don't know what happened. You know, it's, you it's know like, we just, like, whether we choked or whatever, yeah. we just we just didn't get the job done. And and we thought we, you know, slipped away from us in '95. So. But we were fairly understated in terms of going into the finals because Geelong's form was pretty good and and we were quietly confident, given the disappointments of the previous two years, that we we would actually, you know, prevail.
1: With your premiership reunions, and aren't they fantastic? You know, I've seen blokes that I haven't seen for 20 years, but it's as if you've never been apart. Uh, Do you sort of think to yourself, going to the function or coming home, my goodness me, uh, I've come a long way from the kid at East Brunswick to be in this magnificent uh, Carlton side that is regarded as one of the very, very best because... A lot of my guests say it's just for life, a premiership. Well, it
2: is. And, you know, my career started, as you know, in 86 and I was injured. um, My first game, we we lost the Grand Final that year. The following year, I got back half over the year. I was never quite right and I missed out in 87. But I honestly thought, Rex, that after the, you know, missing out in 87, I thought I would play in another five premierships. Yeah. The team that we had, I honestly thought we'd play in another five premierships. So... To get to 95 and finally win your first one, sort of, you know, eight, nine, ten years on, you know, just demonstrates how difficult they are to win. And someone was telling me a number of years ago that Gary Lyon was doing a, a talk at a, at a grand final grand final eve um, function, and he he started his speech by saying, "You've either got one or you haven't," and he was yeah. referring to the fact, "You've either got a premiership or you haven't." That's and it. You speak to these guys, and whether it's uh, Nathan Buckley who, um, or him, you know they would trade many things to get that premiership Ellen around their neck.
1: Mm. I, I spoke to Stan Els, who you know, a lovely person. Uh, went to Melbourne in 1965 after Melbourne played in nine of the previous 12 uh, final series and won five or six out of the last eight. Didn't play in a final and yet he went to North Melbourne as a transfer and played in two grand finals in one year. It's there but for the grace of God go you. You could have gone to Fitzroy or North Melbourne and just been a 190 game play with no premiership but you took the tram down uh, down Sydney Road and uh, yibbity yibbity the rest is history.
2: Well, I had that opportunity. I mean, after that 92 year that you're talking about, I was out of contract. Yeah. I'd made all australian best and first whatever, and 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 Richmond approached me, and they offered me a significant amount more money to go to Richmond than Carlton. Yes. And I weighed it up, and I was you know as I said I was a fanatical Carlton man. I had all my mates there, and you know a few of my mates often talk about this now, look back and thinking, what if I'd actually gone to Richmond in '93, right? And then played the next four or five years or six years of my career there uh, in a team that was uh, struggling, which at yeah, the time yeah. missed out at a premiership. And that's the thing, you know, it's it, you know, as you know, lifetime is everything. So, um, you know, I'm so happy that I ended up making the decision, <laughs> going more money and stay with your mates and playing in a you know successful team.
1: We've all heard it before, Milham Hannah. woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know what I mean? Oh, this bloke, he played 500 games for Shepherd and Easton. if he'd come down to Princess Park, he'd have taken Jez's record and uh, all this sort of stuff, but it just doesn't happen that way. It's been great talking to you. Uh, just a moment before I thank you and uh, for your time today, Milam Hannah. the Cranium has joined us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what do you do now in private life, uh, your family and your business, uh, Milham?
2: I'm in the hospitality business, and I've had a restaurant bar in Brunswick Street, Fitzroy, for 25 years. Actually, I had it while I was playing football, and I've still got yeah. it there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still there, and um, it's going pretty well. And, you know, uh, I've got a couple of young children, 14-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl. and Beautiful. Life's good, and, you know, enjoying my, you know, seeing the kids grow up and, you know, playing sport and all that kind of stuff. And sort of, you know, settling down into, hopefully, a few years' time playing a bit more golf.
1: Yeah, I've got, uh, say, 40, 45 seconds just for a quick summation of uh, your current thoughts of your famous club. They appear to be uh, just a little bit uh, rattly at the moment. They need some solidarity.
2: Yeah, look, they've been very disappointing over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, obviously a, a function of that has been, you know, I think the recruiting hasn't really been spot on. Um, you know, coaches can only do so much and the... The players really haven't, you know, stepped up to the mark. So hopefully, over the next three, or four years, you know, Sauce is back. Hopefully, he can do something and and maybe get the right sort of caliber of player and just, you know, get that club back club back up to where they belong. You know, because I'm a bit of a traditionalist, so I like to see the clubs like Carlton, Essen and Richmond right up there. And it's been a long time. It's uh, I don't want to end up as someone said, like Bob Davis, one day being 30, 40
0: years before a premiership.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it still comes, mate. Uh, you'll take your place, you know, with great nicknames like Lethal Lee Matthews, a galloping gasometer, and Mick Noland, and uh, the flying doormat, Bruce Doole. The cranium will take his rightful place in alphabetical order as being one of the characters that made it worthwhile going to the footy in the golden era of the VFL and the uh, AFL. We thank you for your time today, Mill, and it's great to catch up with you.
2: Thank you very much, Rex.
1: Millum Hanna, the cranium ladies and gentlemen, a star of the game and a star of society and a very good example of why multiculturalism makes this country so great. And if you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at rexfootballlife. Life. This has been your football life, all for Tobin Brothers Funerals. And next week, join us somewhere, sometime in the wonderful world of football as we delve into the past to some of our champion players.
0: You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.